Namaste everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host Kushal Mehra. So my guest today is Kanchan Gupta. Kanchan Da, thanks for coming on the podcast once again. Thank you. Happy to be here. So today's discussion is about the farmers protests and the media coverage but uh, before I want to start uh, the discussion I wanted to lay a bit of a background as to why I decided to do this so Kanchanda actually wrote a beautiful thread on Twitter uh, I think it was uh, yesterday at around I think it was yeah, late at night around 11 around 11:30 or something uh, in the night Kanchanda wrote a beautiful Twitter thread explaining how media salaries were protected and how the media as an industry used to function at a certain point of time and then dada actually went ahead and drew an analogy using this as an example to explain what's happening in the farmer protest so dada i actually wanted to start today's discussion by requesting you to explain that thread a, a little bit more to us so that we actually get an idea about how the media used to function at that time uh no I, you know yesterday i i thought i would catch up with what was happening on the so called agitation front and uh, i was stunned by the way the media has been reporting it and some people some some senior uh, media persons have been uh, sort of you know identifying their own angst uh, with the government uh, with that uh, of the uh, alleged farmers i really don't know whether they are farmers or not because this is sowing season and they should really be in their fields um, if they were farmers uh, but that apart uh, you know it suddenly struck me that uh, that that media salaries used to be protected by uh, what was referred to as a wage board and uh, i think every 3 years uh, the government would set up a new wage board uh, and uh, the wage board would then decide salaries and those salaries were basically on the basis of uh, there was no there were no television channels those days so it was only newspapers and uh, those salaries were categorized in terms of uh, a newspaper's circulation and uh, the bigger the higher the circulation the your fixation your salary fixation would be at a higher level so uh, like if i worked for Uh, a, a paper which had say a circulation of uh, 100000 copies i would uh, get a salary a basic of say uh, uh, 1000 rupees and if if uh, somebody with with a similar rank and a similar work profile worked in a newspaper with a circulation of uh, say 50000 copies um, and they that person would be fitted into uh, a, a slot way lower than my slot now this was discriminatory but uh, the rationale was that uh, papers with big circulations made more money so they should pay a higher salary and uh, this uh, wage board covered both journalists and non journalists in the sense it co- covered working journalists and also the the press workers people who worked in the printing presses of the newspapers and uh, the wage board also laid down how much would be your increment how much would be uh, uh, your uh, bonus etc 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 now at some point newspapers decided that this was getting uh, beyond control because it uh, the wage board also ensured that no no journalist could be sacked uh because you were covered by the wage board and uh, it it created a very lethargic media uh, as media ownership profile changed they they, they started uh, sort of uh, uh, training at the leash and uh, they, they they wanted to break free of it 
so the first thing which happened is that uh, newspapers uh, reclassified themselves uh, by by setting up uh, holding companies so uh, a newspaper would have multiple holding companies and each holding company and and each edition would be hived off to each company and that would suppress uh, uh, the salary bill because wage board would fix the salary at at, at 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 the circulation of that particular edition and uh, that in turn created disparities within the same newspaper subsequently uh, the newspapers got together and they they devised this wonderful system of offering contracts and journalists were told that if you get, get out of the wage board and you sign a contract you will get a higher salary and uh, initially there was resistance but uh, uh, slowly people caught on i was one of the early beneficiaries i still remember that when i resigned from the statesman to take up a job uh, at the pioneer which was being launched in delhi by vinod mehta my biggest attraction was not relocating from calcutta to delhi but the fact that i would be getting a salary which would be uh, more than threefold of what i was being paid at the statesman and that lure finally worked and people started switching over but some journalists held out and they they said that no we will stick to wage board because that option had to be kept it was a government uh, wage board uh, and 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 they 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 became miserable because uh, they 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 saw their former colleagues drawing higher salaries better benefits moving on to better jobs uh, negotiating better salaries and moving on to better jobs and uh, many of them retired and lived out the rest of their lives in penury they became very bitter they became uh, depressed and that's how it was now the reason i mentioned this is that uh, now where does the farmers agitation come in um, the farm bills in a sense give, give farmers the option uh, or the freedom to break free of apmc controls they give farmers the freedom to break free of mandis of middlemen and uh, they give farmers the freedom and this is where the small farmers stand to benefit the most of uh, opting for contract farming and uh, they, they 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 can they can sell their produce to anybody anywhere they can command uh, they can negotiate the price at which they wish to sell and if it is contract farming those prices are predetermined pre-negotiated and predetermined and uh, funnily enough while uh, contracts in newspapers and media as such do not have uh, an umbrella protection for the person entering into the contract the farm bills uh, the farm bills provide for uh, extensive protection for the farmers uh, to ensure that uh, the person who's entering into a contract uh, will not be cheated out of his dues that if there is a quality issue then then what will be the price mechanism to compensate the farmer if uh, the if the contractor decides to do a disappearing act what will be the process of uh, restitution of damages and uh, more, most importantly that land cannot be alienated in, under the guise of contract farming you cannot alienate land from the farmer so with these kind of protections to to deny farmers the agency to decide what they wish to do ultimately it's about the freedom of choice and this is not something which is uh, equally applicable to all states most states uh, have done away with the apmc mechanism or they never had it and farmers have been free to sell uh, not sell to anybody 
or any uh, to any uh, to anybody anywhere but those restrictions have also gone now so the whole idea was to create some sense of um, prosperity to increase productivity to increase profits and make farming a profitable activity so uh, I, if 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 media cannot appreciate this basic principle behind the new farm laws then something is fundamentally wrong with the media that is that was the purpose behind that rather, rather long thread of tweets oh no that that was a beautiful tweet thread and it actually made me start it the my immediate reaction to that was uh first a damn we've come a long way when it comes to the media landscape and how it was and how it is today and the second thought that immediately came to my head and this this kind of comes to my head every time i see um a certain young generation also react to these things now as far as i'm concerned whatever good that has come into uh look i'm born in 1981 so yeah i i'm technically born before the the liberalization reforms uh but well, by the time we refor- the reforms happened i was 11 year old so basically all good things in my life at least are a major chunk of them are due to the liberalization and uh, you know a lot of good things have happened in india after that but i always constantly find this trend among a certain clique in india who have immensely benefited and 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 i don't see the media uh, as a larger uh, landscape uh, you know kind of uh, an exception to that they also kind of behave in the same way you reap the benefits of free markets for yourself but the moment it is about somebody else you don't want it how does it work no it's uh, uh, you know there used to be the story uh, again it goes back to the time when railways were vastly different from what we know them to be today and uh, the moment somebody could clamber onto uh, the train uh, that person would shut the door of the compartment and of the bogey uh, and tell the guys trying to get onto the train ki jagah nahi hai it's all full so th- this is inherent uh, in our nature what what we benefit from we do not wish others to benefit from that um uh, now that said uh, you know uh, we we some uh, we we want jobs with corporates we want jobs that are corporate but at the same time we do not want india to be corporatized uh we keep on angsting about the vast segment of the national economy which is in the unorganized sector and a, a, a very short portion of it is in the organized sector so when governments try to bring the unorganized sector into the organized sector we resist and deep within i think there is this territorial thing that if a uh, if a farmer becomes like an engineer or a doctor or a manager or a ceo then what happens to the to the elite they lose their class the class then becomes uh, indian and it is important to bring the unorganized sector into the organized sector of the economy you have to gradually reduce the size of the unorganized sector and if you notice whether it is aadhar whether it is jandhan whether it is the banking uh, expansion of banking to cover more indians uh, 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 every every decision has been resisted every i mean uh, in, in the whole idea of formalizing payments digital payments uh, i think today uh, some new data has come out, come out about upi uh, payments now have become huge now there was resistance to that too 
because people thought that a cash-based economy is a damn good idea because it, it allowed you to cheat on taxes. It allowed you to cheat people you owed money. So if, if a factory worker was to be paid or, or, or say a farm labor was to be paid 100 rupees, you paid only 50 rupees and made him sign for 100 rupees. Or if a construction site labor uh, was to be paid 500 rupees for the day's work, he was paid only 300 rupees or maybe less. So that's how the system worked. And when the system, when an effort was made to change the system, the resistance began. And similarly, what we are seeing now, um, the, the, you know, this entire agitation, what are they demanding? Uh, even their demands, there is no clarity on that. I mean, so if you had one, two, three, four, five demands, then you could say that, okay, fine, this is valid, this is not valid. So, Dada, now let's get into the coverage of the agitation itself, per se. Now, I don't know. I mean, so I, I am looking at it. I'll be very candid. Um, I'm not a big consumer of mainstream media. I don't consume mainstream media news. I, I just find it, I don't know. Uh, these are not your views. These are my views. I find it pathetic. Uh, I, I just can't stand it. Uh, but this time I was trying to pay attention, at least in the print media, and I was trying to understand what, what is the, the coverage when it comes to this particular agitation. And, and all I have observed is that we barely get any discussion of the acts. All we get are shouting matches, as always. And in this cacophony of noises, don't you think at the end of the day, the biggest loser is the real farmer in a way? And I mean, what's the end game for the media here? Is the media kind of reduced to misinfotainment? I don't even call it infotainment now. It is misinfotainment. Uh, no. Let me let me just tell you a few things which uh, which sort of uh, agitated me about the media coverage. For instance, uh, see when the when the farm bills were being legislated, they were in the public domain even before they were introduced in parliament. I mean, they were introduced in parliament and uh, the bills were available to media. There was absolutely no intensive scrutiny of those bills there was no discussion on them there was no uh, deliberation on them during prime time because uh, media would consider it boring to discuss uh, msp and uh, contract farming that doesn't grab eyeballs now uh, when this agitation is happening uh, media has still not read the read the bills or the bills are now acts of parliament they have not read them and it is quite similar to what happened during the citizenship amendment act the protests at that time had nothing to do with caa nobody who was out in the street uh, agitating against caa had read it including some of our uh, uh, high-profile uh, influencers from the Bombay film industry. The editors had not read the bill. The journalists covering those uh, quote-unquote protests had not read the bill. They, they, they were clueless what CAA was all about. And it was a very brief bill. It was just, I think, one, one and a half pages. It was lazy journalism at its best. And a similar thing is happening now. It is lazy journalism at its best. The anchors don't know what the farm laws are about. The editors don't know what the farm laws are about. The breathless reporters rushing from one picket to another don't know what the farm laws are about. The excited uh, uh, studio heads uh, who are uh, organizing these debates and discussions, they do not know what the farm laws are about because they have not read them. And that is a fact. Now, repeatedly, one 
media maven is asking on social media has been asking on social media why can't msp msp be provided for in the law now msp they don't even know the history of msp msp was never a law msp was introduced to encourage farmers and largely farmers in punjab and haryana during the uh, major push to push up you know to increase food production which we now call the green revolution so it was an incentive that if you produce more we will buy it and we will buy it at a particular price it is an executive decision which which has an annual variable for every crop you can't put it in law it doesn't work like that governance doesn't work like that law making doesn't work like that and if you are a senior journalist if you are a media maven you should know that that what can be put in law and what cannot be put in law one that is only one part of it the second part is that not every i mean india produces a humongous amount of farm output and it is not only wheat from punjab or haryana there is rice which comes out of east india south india there is wheat which comes out of central india in fact madhya pradesh now produces more wheat than punjab punjab is not no more the granary of india that's a myth and this there are apples being produced there are kiwis being produced there are there are other fruit varieties being produced grapes being produced all that is agricultural produce do we even realize the scope the 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 the, the entire the the huge canvas of agricultural produce in this country and not every grain that comes out of every field is purchased under is purchased by the government nor is it purchased as per msp government procures a certain amount and that too has now become something of a, a needless effort because we 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 end up creating food buffer uh, which is never used and finally end of it it all goes into producing ethanol so apart from food that is required for people but that is a different thing now even under msp the single largest purchase that happens in the country by the food corporation of india it happens in punjab and haryana it doesn't happen in uttar pradesh it doesn't happen in madhya pradesh it doesn't happen in the southern states it doesn't happen in the eastern states so what are they complaining about and this question would never be asked instead a, a, a very you know i mean a, a mindless question but why can't msp and and the other aspect that to say that uh, uh, private buyers uh, should be i mean they they should also be brought under the msp that is absurd all these years when msp existed along with non msp prices and as i explained that not every every grain that is produced is sold or purchased under the msp regime it is sold at various prices how can you bring in suddenly a law that says that anybody who buys food has to pay a certain msp and if they say that no we will not buy then government itself doesn't have the capacity to purchase the entire output so food will rot the entire output of a farm will remain unpurchased does anybody even halt to think about it there will be years when there will be a glut of onions or potatoes or wheat or dal or whatever so then what happens now 
you see, I am not an agricultural expert, nor am I an economist. But I am I am grateful to God that I I have been gifted with some common sense, and that common sense compels me to look beyond the obvious. And I'm sure all these big ticket journalists they are also gifted with common sense, and yet nobody will ask the most common sensical question. But why can't uh, government say that MSP is for everybody? Next, government will decide what at what price uh, toothpaste can be sold. There was a time when Charan Singh, uh, the prime minister who never held office, uh, he he decided that uh, soap is a non-essential commodity; it is a luxury item only for the elite. So government should just stop. The production of soap in the country, or to impose a huge million percent tax on it. Are we going back to those days? Government will decide at which price I can buy a Honda car, at which price I can buy a Jeep, at which price I can buy a truck. Manufacturers would love it. So, Dada, I, I have to come in here and ask you. I have to ask you a question. When you when you listen to things like this, then then one has to sit down and wonder at times because I don't know about your opinion, but uh, on this, but uh, this is how I look at it. There are some eerie similarities between this farmers' agitation, and I say this uh, again. These are my views. The quotes are on my end, not at Dada's end. Uh, and the Shahinbag protests. There are just too many similarities. You know, the biryani is back. Even the famous uh, Shahin Shahinbag Dadi is back. And the media seems to be, you know, pushing the focus on in a very strategic way to certain very disturbing Khalistani elements, which are very, very disturbing. I mean, we've seen enough blood in this country being spilled over that issue. Now, in such a scenario, uh, I mean, as an Indian citizen, it deeply disappoints me the way the media has behaved in the entire scenario. Why would they do something like this? Well, uh, there, there, there are huge similarities. I mean, as I said, uh, Shahinbagh was not about CAA. And this agitation is not about the farmers' bills. This is a, a, a political contest playing out in the form of a farmer's agitation. Uh, how many of them are farmers? Nobody knows. I could claim that I am a farmer and go stand there and nobody would know me from another farmer. Uh, you mentioned it, it was quite it was quite funny. Uh, NDTV, and I'm naming this particular channel because they have been at the forefront of it. They 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 breathlessly reported that uh, a certain person, uh, fondly referred to as Dadi, uh, is going to is going to join the protest uh, farmers' protest, and then they even caught her, and uh, she is in a car which which. Uh, which is uh, something that uh, at least I can't, uh, and that 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 car I wouldn't be able to afford. And there's somebody who's prompting her, the lines, and she's speaking on cue. Uh, I mean, it's a tamasha, and the media are media persons are the tamash beings. They 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 love this tamasha because. And to an extent, this is also true. The consumers of this media are also tamash beings. People who watch these prime time shows and, 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 and uh, on channels based in Delhi, people who, who sort of breathlessly follow rubbish on social media put out by mainstream media, I mean, now social media is just an extension counter of mainstream media because, for instance, Twitter, because, I mean, mainstream media pays them money 
and they get uh, get to just sort of grab space and time over there and we love it we 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 are we are we are so stupid we are so unintelligent we are so lazy we spend hours on whatsapp looking at stupid videos and forwards we earlier spent hours on tiktok but we want google we want google to google for the text of the farm bill or the summary of the farm bill and read through it but then how do we get out of this right it, it's actually kind of depressing at times too that I, i was just looking at the coverage and every single time it is i'll give you i'll explain it to you using an analogy and i think uh, it kind of fits you could correct me if you think i'm wrong it is very similar to what happened in america i think it was not just the democrats against trump primarily this election was the media against trump the media was milking trump and was also using trump like a piñata where they would just you know go whack-a-mole on trump all the time and i think the media in india i'm not saying the entire section of the media but i'm saying a significant section of the indian media is trying to do the same thing with the modi government and they're trying and trying and trying uh, to their bad luck uh, the indian people seem to be disappointing them and they keep voting for the narendra modi led government again and again albeit in the national elections or state elections so is the media a player like you know oh, picture make famous dialogue hota raha dada aap party hai ki broker hai aap pehle pata kyun nahi dete no media has always been a player and in a democracy media voice should be strong media should have a, a loud voice and a very visible presence there is no doubt about it and and i would not uh, question it but what is the kind of media that is taking center stage whether you you refer to the us elections whether it is the mainstream media like new york times washington post la times all their major uh, news channels cnn they sort of decided and 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 now it has become more dangerous earlier it was basically uh, uh, sort of you sort of aligned yourself ideologically with either the democrats or the republicans or whatever but now it is this woke culture which has taken over a uh, uh, the, the the cancel culture that if i don't like what you are saying what you are doing or what you are what you stand for i will just cancel you i will deplatform you i will defund you i will remove you you shall cease to exist and this is the way it used to be in uh, during the stalin era that if you if you were found to be a, an unfriend of the state you ceased to exist they would take out photographs and airbrush people out of them that was the extent extent to which they went and that is the extent to which today's cancel culture is going add to that the toxic cocktail of social media platforms they 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 are now deciding they have become a supra power they are deciding what can be said what cannot be said what is right what is wrong and even if you are saying the truth they they can deplatform you they can they can you you will cease to exist on the other hand on the other hand you you i mean people who subscribe to this culture the cancel culture and 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 the wokeness that drives this cancel culture they believe that you know i mean it's my opinion that 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 the that the sun rises in the uh, south 
Who are you to contest it? It is my opinion that the moon is not the moon, but it is actually the sun, and what we refer to as the sun is the moon. How dare you quote science to me? So, the same thing, it boils down. Whether it is the farmer's agitation, whether it is the agitation against the Citizenship Amendment Act, whether it is about uh, um, the so-called attacks on church, uh, church attacks, which turned out to be fake, all of them. I decide, I mean, I, I, I level the allegation that the farmers have been done in. But you see, the farmers have not been done in. They have just been given greater freedom. They have been given more choice. MSP regime is still there. The mandis are still there. If they wish to sell at the Mandi, they are free to sell it over there. If they want to sell it at MSP, they are free to sell it at MSP. If they wish not to go for contract farming and till their pathetic little plots of land and, and, and suffer misery and poverty and impoverishment, they are free to do so. But what these acts do is that they enable the farmers, they, they empower the farmers to exercise greater choice. Now, the moment you explain, start explaining this, but no. Now, there is no, there is no answer to but no. Just as this, this media maven who is constantly asking, but why can't MSB, MSB made a part of law? There is no answer to that. And sadly, so, so, so. And, I, and, and you know, it's very easy to it's very easy to blame media, and media must be blamed. Media must be trashed. But what, look at us, we we the consumers of media. What are we? What have we been reduced to? I couldn't agree more with you, Tada, and that's why I I basically started this podcast. My whole aim was that I try to have sensible discussion on this podcast. I try to learn as much as I can uh, from folks like you and many other guests who come. So one more follow-up question on this, Dada. Actually, this is asked by a live viewer. Uh, Prakhar has asked this question. I think this is a good question. So he has said that, do you think this agitation is kind of a final nail in the coffin for us forgetting global value chain integrations? No, not really. Not really. See, this agitation, I, I mean, if I am not horribly wrong, I, I don't see either, I mean, I don't see Prime Minister Narendra Modi saying, okay, fine, I take back the laws. That is not going to happen. Uh, already stray uh, data has begun to come in. Apple growers are selling at a better price. There was another report about uh, producers in Maharashtra bargaining and getting a better price and making more profits than the previous year. Uh, a farmer somewhere has gone and filed a case for being shortchanged. So the, this will gather speed. And as we open up the markets, and as I mean, when you if you let the farmer sell to anybody anywhere, literally, there will be a certain addition of value addition to that also. Obviously, the farmer will not be selling uh, raw paddy uh, or or raw wheat. The the scope is enormous because even the uh, the, the law which decided how much of food can you store and hold, that has been changed. So we are looking at storage facilities, creation of storage facilities. We are looking at creation of cold chain facilities. We are looking at creation of food processing facilities. We are looking at a major restructuring of the farm sector. 
of modernizing it, of making it more comp competitive. We are making it more participatory in global farming uh, activity. Where, where is the question of withdrawing? I mean, unless the government decides, no, we must go back to the bullock cart era. Uh, this is, that is not going to happen. Kushal, let me share something with you. Uh, Bundelkhand in Uttar Pradesh, which, which had turned into barren zone due to lack of water over there. And, and groundwater is at a, at, a, at a very difficult level. There's only that much of it which you can pump out. Uh, monsoons don't work over there. Now, almost all of Bundelkhand had migrated out. Much of the migrant labor came from there. Now, we are working with the Israelis who have brought in amazing technology on water harnessing, water managing, water recycling, and water for crops. Now, if, if as and when this happens, because work has started, we will witness a, a, a revolution in Bundelkhand. If you, if you follow the, the kind of experimental farming that is happening in the deserts of Rajasthan, our media doesn't talk of it. They, they, they are not working uh, for MSP rates. Those farmers are really creating, uh, they, are, they are adding to the farm value chain. They are not out on the street saying that we want MSP. And nobody points out that Punjab has, has reached a point where groundwater has, has virtually disappeared. <coughs> There's salinity happening. They will not change the crop pattern because that fetches them. I mean, as I said, the maximum acquisition of wheat and rice happens in Punjab. So they just stick to wheat and rice. So this is a very good question, Dada, asked by Shriyari. Shriyari has said, will these laws eventually lead to a formal national agricultural exchange? Or is it somewhere down the line one of the aims of the government? Or can it be achieved? Well, I mean, that is a natural corollary that if you are going to allow, uh, if, when you are allowing corporates in, when you are allowing private sector in, there has to be uh, there have to be subsequent rules and uh, rules and laws on uh, trading, on forward trading, etc., etc., commodities trading. Now, I, I, as I said, I am not a I am not an expert on agriculture. I am not an expert on uh, I am not an economist, so I don't know how commodities work. But I guess. Uh, those things also need, will, will be looked at and those things will be also also uh, suitably recrafted uh, to create uh, a parallel structure where you, you just as you have it for uh, manufacturing or uh, or services so similarly you will have for agriculture but at the moment, we need to get the farmer used to the idea that you are not at the, you don't have to be at the mercy of the APMC. You don't have to be at the mercy of the of, of the middleman of the arthi. You don't have to be at the mercy of uh, people who wade in to do distress purchase. You have options. So in that case. Will, I mean, as you were mentioning about food processing, so let's take actually Bihar. Bihar is a very good example in that scenario. So do you think this will be kind of uplifting the entrepreneurial spirit in the farmers and maybe they might eventually have a proper opportunity to switch to product-based agricultural economy? Well, I don't think Bihar has uh, APMC. Bihari farmers are quite happy without APMC. They are, they are doing well. Um, but uh, what more can be done is, is something agriculture after all is a state subject and and state governments have to innovate they have to plan they have to they have to 
they have to sort of prepare uh, for the future. And all these things which I talked about, whether it is cold chains or storage facilities, uh, food processing, state governments have to step forward. The, and there, there is huge potential because, see, farms always had, I'm forgetting the term now, what was called uh, hidden unemployment. So mm. you, you, you had people working on a farm. And you thought that you know this this particular piece of land employs 30 people, but really it doesn't need 30 people. It, it can be farmed by 20 people or 10 people or 15 people. So that too is a myth that the farm sector in, uh, employs these many number of people. Now people need jobs. Not everybody, and there's only up to a point that you can sustain migration to the cities or to industrial towns. And those jobs can be created in rural India through cold chains, through storage facilities, food processing, transportation, working out the logistics. I mean, I mean I, I, the, the, the possibilities are huge. I mean, we, we never thought of it. Indeed. Uh, so, so before we wrap things up, because uh, we've already reached the 50-minute mark, almost the 50-minute mark, so if you were to give your last bit on this entire farmer's protest or whatever we want to call it, I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I just, nowadays I call this, ki, I call these protests Marta Kya Na Karta because I don't know how to defeat Narendra Modi electorally. So now I'm clutching onto straws and whatever straw is offered to me, I'll just stick to it and I will just try to build a mountain out of a molehill. So going forward, Dada, and this is my question to you as a, as an active player on social media. If we as citizens of India, we want to know, we want to be more informed about these things. What would your advice be to all the young kids out there? How do they get more informed when it comes to policy decisions? Because the media just refuses to discuss policy. So what should we do in such a scenario? Uh See, uh, the, the internet gives you amazing access to information. Point is, how many of us actually use the internet to access information? And how many of us actually believe that our responses, even as citizens, should be responsible? Uh, in, a, in a situation, uh, uh, B.R. Ambedkar had this expression, he had coined this expression, grammar of anarchy. And what we witnessed at Shahinbad and now at the Delhi borders, it is grammar of anarchy. I have no hesitation. I don't wish to, uh, 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 I mean, this is not to show down anybody, but it is grammar of anarchy. Now, media must loudly, must very strongly come up with a counter narrative to this grammar of anarchy. And that will be possible only if media, whether it is mainstream media or social media. That if, if you are saying that why not MSP, well, this is why it, it is not possible. But why not this? But this is not true. But why not that? You know, I mean, it's amazing. Channel after channel, paper after paper, both on mainstream media and on social media, when they when they kept when they put out these uh, uh, absurd uh, uh, tidbits of uh, what is called news, they started spreading this canard that the farm laws will lead to farmers losing their land. And, and it is so similar to the, to the, to the uh, Shahinbad protest and its clones across the country, where media was an active player in, in propagating the fiction that the, that the Citizenship Amendment Act 
deprives India's Muslims of their citizenship. Media colluded, media connived to promote and propagate that fiction. Similarly, we again are witnessing media colluding, conniving with the fiction that is now being put out in the name of farm, farm law protests, that farmers will lose their land, that they will they will be they will not have the chance to sell their produce. Nobody questions it. You actively promote it. True, and, and this has uh, kind of been the tragedy of India, and I don't know what to do with it. And and uh, yes, somebody had actually asked uh, this question in the live chat. Uh, should we give freedom of expression to stupid people? Well, uh, the person's name was Chetan. Chetan, everybody deserves freedom of expression. Do you know how you find out people are stupid? When you give them the freedom to express themselves. And if you want to know more about freedom of expression, actually the best podcast would be my podcast with Kanchanda, where we actually were discussing this very issue when the Bloomsbury episode had happened and uh, you know there was a book ban. So always be on the side of free expression. So it's time to wrap things up. Um, Kanchanda, as always, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I get to learn a lot and you know, everybody on the live chat has learned a lot too today and I'm sure everybody who's going to be listening to this later on is also going to learn. So once again, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share some thoughts with you. All right, guys, uh, time to wrap things up. So as always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, leave your comments. If you want to support the Charbuck podcast, you can become a member on the YouTube channel or you can subscribe on the Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Charbuck. If you want to buy the Charbuck podcast merchandise, you can go to kushalmehra.com slash shop. Try my best to bring interesting conversations across to you. I will be bringing one more such conversation maybe this week or next week. Until then, I'll see you next time. Namaste. Take care. Goodbye.